Running your first marathon. This is a question that we get all the time. And I think it is such an awesome topic because taking that leap and deciding that you want to train for your first 26.2, your first full marathon is amazing. And I think everyone who has done a half marathon should definitely give it a go, give it a shot. Um, Even if you haven't ran a half marathon yet and you have you know, this calling in you, I want to do a marathon, listen to that voice because this is so awesome. And I'm super excited to talk about this topic today because running a marathon is really a life-changing event for a lot of people because the thought of it now, if you haven't ran a marathon yet, maybe seems a little bit impossible. And when we do something where we achieve that impossible goal in our mind, we change as a person because we start seeing the world differently. We start to realize, wow, I can do things I didn't think were possible before. And it's amazing. So I am really excited to share these topics. I'm just going to go through some questions and we're going to answer them. So what sort of background should you have going into marathon training for the first time? And this is such a broad question here. So I'm going to answer it like you're giving me at least four to six months before your marathon. So let's say you found this marathon you want to do and it's in four to six months from now. So if you're listening to this and it's July we're thinking about doing a marathon in November and that would be the soonest. So November to, you know, January of next year. What we would want to see ideally an athlete doing right now is maybe at a minimum. So this is the minimum about 20 miles a week. And you want to feel comfortable with that, you know, eight mile, eight to 10 mile long run. That would be ideal. Um, We can work with a variety of different athletes, but I think ideally when you're thinking four to six months out, that 20 mile a week range that you've been running consistently for a couple of months now and feeling okay doing, you know, an eight to 10 mile long run where it's not completely destroying you. That would be a good stepping stone for someone who's looking for a marathon for the first time because it's amazing how much endurance you can really gain in a short cycle, in, I mean, a short cycle, four to six months is not a ton of time in the grand scheme of things, but you can gain endurance throughout that cycle. Even if your long run right now is only at 10 miles or eight miles, you can build and you will get there as long as you start now and you have a plan and you're committed to it. Um, I think when should you start training for your first marathon is another question we get all the time. So there's really no right or wrong time to train for your first marathon. Um, I think it's really important that you sign up for the marathon when you personally are ready. So there's a lot of hype around the marathon these days and with social media on the rise and everyone maybe in your personal life knowing that you're a runner might ask you, when are you going to do a marathon or have you done a marathon? Um, And I think for a lot of athletes, the marathon kind of comes with this checkbox of, yes, I've done, you know, every event to checking this box and everyone knows, you know, I'm this real runner. And I say that in quotes because before I ran my first marathon, um, I had my first professional job and I really identified as a runner. So I was running, you know, 40 miles a week. And the question that I was getting a lot was, well, have you ran your first marathon? And when I said no, it's like you just didn't get the same level of respect. And that really was what fueled me wanting to run my first marathon. And I don't think that was the right intention. I think it's better when an athlete 
just really wants to try it. They want to see, can my body handle this? They're just really intrigued by it. Um, you know, there's like this intrinsic calling. There's really no right or wrong motivation to want to run a marathon, but I think when you're intrinsically motivated to do it and you have this internal calling, like I want to run 26.2 miles, it makes the training a lot easier. And it also just makes it a more fun experience because you're really all in it for you. And that's just a great motivation to stay on track with your training and doing something that you really want to do for yourself. Uh, sometimes when you're motivated by external sources, that can be, you know, it can be great and it can work out perfectly in your favor, but it can sometimes feel like you're forcing the training or you're forcing yourself through it. And marathon training is really hard. So we don't want to make it like harder on ourselves by jumping the gun and doing it before we really want to do it. Um, I think it's something if you really want to do it, then do it. If there's some doubt and some hesitation, maybe just wait until you feel this calling to do it. Um, there's nothing wrong with waiting. Um, that being said, if you're just afraid because you think, oh, I'm not going to be able to you know, run 26.2 miles. Yes, you will. You know, if, you, if you're driven and you're motivated and this is something you really want to do, you're going to get to that finish line. You're going to get to that 26.2. If you believe it, if you want to do it, 100% you can do it. Um, how can you make sure that you are not doing too much too soon? So that's a very broad question. So how can you make sure you're not doing too much too soon? Um, one rule that we always like to follow here with all of our coaches around for PRs is not increasing more than one variable at a time. So let's say you're just running 20 miles a week and they're all easy runs. We don't want to do more than one variable at a time. So what we don't want to see happen is, okay, we're up in your mileage to 25 miles a week. We're adding long runs and we're doing workouts. What we like to see is more, okay, you're at 20 miles a week. We want to build your mileage a little bit because you're training for a marathon. So we might add in a little bit of mileage. Then for the next, you know, three weeks, our next goal might be, we're going to increase your long run. And so then when we're looking uh, six to eight weeks later, we're looking at an athlete who feels good. They're not burning out yet. They're feeling really strong. We're building a strong foundation. They have, you know, that 25 to 30 miles a week now, and they're also comfortable running between, you know, 10 and 13 miles for their long run. That would be a great foundation. And then the next piece, we might add in workouts or we might continue to increase the mileage. It just depends on the athlete and kind of what uh, needs to be met. But we like to train one variable at a time. Because sometimes when you try to train all of these variable times, it's very stressful on the body and you're not going to see the results that you need. Um, one of the first things that obviously you have to do if you want to train for a marathon is increasing that long run. So we want to get to a point where not only are you running you know, a good, a good weekly mileage, we also want you to feel somewhat comfortable, feeling normal running between 90 minutes and two hours. And you might be listening to this saying, wow, that's a long time to run. Yeah. It is, but that's really like the core long runs that we want your body to kind of get used to because um, that's where a lot of the physiological development happens and it's just good to get that foundation right away because the more physiological benefits you can have over time, the better, right? So we're going to increase that uh, mileage, then we're going to increase that long run. Um, it's also important. Some people think, oh, it's all about increase, increase, increase. I've been talking a lot about increasing. It's important to also have cutback weeks. So let's say we increase your mileage for three weeks. 
we're going to take a week where we drop it back down. And the reason that we do that is because we can't always be building. You know, you kind of got to rest. Just like if you're doing, you know, a training week and you've heard about taking the hard days hard and the easy days easy, it's kind of like that within a training cycle on a larger level. You want to do a couple weeks hard and then one week easy. It allows your body to recover when you go through these ups and downs of training. um, And it's really important to do it that way. And a lot of the times the recovery weeks will come before you really feel you need it, which is ideal. We don't want you to get to a point where you feel, ah, I'm so burnt out. I can't do another week. I need to have the rest now. It's better to do it, you know, right as you're starting to kind of feel good. We want to cut it back because we got to make it through a six month training cycle. And the biggest mistake I see first time marathoners make is thinking they got to do it all at once. Um, It's baby steps. It's building slowly. It's training smart and building progressively. Another very common question that we get is, how many days per week do I have to run? Um, Can I train for a marathon off three to four days a week? And I know a lot of people are working professionals. They have families. And there's just other things that come into, into play when we're talking about marathon training and training for that first marathon. So some people might really genuinely only have three days that they can commit to running. And with that being said, there, yes, you can run a marathon off three days a week. Ideally, I would like to see someone doing four days a week. Um, But, you know, I know that sometimes it's not always the case and you have to do like what works for your family and what commitment level that you can pick. But four days a week would be ideal. And if you can add in even like a day of cross training in there, even better, right? So maybe you're not running, you know, four days a week, maybe you're running three days a week, but maybe you're doing some cross training activities. And when I say cross training activities, I know it's kind of like, what does that mean? I'm talking about doing aerobic cross training. So the system that you use when you run a marathon is the aerobic system. And those are the types of exercises where you're breathing a lot. So Think about power walking, running, swimming, biking, Stairmaster. Exercises that aren't aerobic are more like yoga, lifting, um, some of those fitness classes that do a lot of the lifting. Um, You just want to make sure that you're training the right system. So sometimes people think, oh, cross training is lifting, but you're not actually training the system that is the aerobic system when you're lifting. So you got to make sure you're doing aerobic cross training when it says aerobic cross training or when it says cross training, that means an aerobic exercise. So if you're someone who can only commit to three days a week running, I would love to see you do one to two days a week of aerobic cross training if possible, just so that you can be building that aerobic foundation because that's going to be key for success in long distance running. And what you might do on those three to four days a week really vary. Um, Let's say you're just starting out and you're only doing three days a week, which I don't like this example because I really think people should do four days a week, but you can do three. So if you're only running three days a week, I'm probably going to have you do one of those runs be five to six miles easy with some strides and you might do some hill strides just to make sure we're getting in that hill work and powering up hills. Strides are really great. You do it after a run. You do, you know, 15 to 20 seconds fast, followed by 90 seconds of just a full recovery. So you're going to do like an easier day, five, six miles with the strides. Then we're going to have you do one day that's like a stress workout day. 
So main focus for a marathon, again, we're working on that aerobic system. We really want to work on that aerobic threshold and that marathon pace as much as possible as we get closer to the race day, because that's going to help you the most. Um, So if we're, you know, three months out, we might be doing a workout uh, that's, you know, depending on the level of the athlete between seven and eight miles, that, that second run of the week, midweek workout. Um, so it's an eight mile run. Let's say we do four by one mile at threshold pace with 60 seconds jog between, then you're going to do warm up and cool down. Um, so we're at 13 miles for the week (laughs) and then you're going into your long run, which is going to be, you know, between two and two and a half hours, most likely. So maybe that's 13, 14 miles for you. So we're getting 13 plus, you know, 14 on the weekend. So that's going to be about a 27 mile week. Um, not ideal. It kind of goes against some of the rules that we set up, but it can be done. And this isn't like the safest plan. It's not the best plan, but it's something that works, um, for a lot of people. So if that's something that you can commit to, it's definitely something worth trying. Um, you can do two days, one day of aerobic cross training, you know, maybe just getting on a bike trainer or you can commit to swimming or whatever it might be. Um, that's just one way that you can frame, frame up, you know, the three day running a week plan. If you start adding in more days, the bulk of your mileage is going to be going to, you know, aerobic, easier running. Um, you might be able to put in a little bit more workouts, um, because you have a higher mileage base. But typically, if someone's only running three days a week, we're going to be keeping a lot of the miles easy and we're going to be doing very minimal workouts. Um, It just kind of increases your risk for, you know, various injuries, depending on your athlete background, um, if you're not running more days per week. So if someone comes to us and they are wondering, oh, I have super low mileage, how do you gain fitness without putting yourself at risk for injury. So that's where it kind of starts to become dicey. We want to make sure that you're healthy going into marathon training. Um, The worst is if someone just comes off an injury and they want to build into a marathon training cycle, or they just came off a marathon training cycle, they want to build into another one. That's always really difficult because we want to see someone being healthy and feeling good for a couple months leading into marathon training. It's really important that athletes allow themselves time to have adequate off-seasons and an off-season is just where you wouldn't be training for any specific events. Um, you would just be allowing your body a couple of weeks, a couple of months to just find recovery. Um, a lot of people talk about, oh, workouts and the grind and training for races and training for marathons. And we can get really caught up in the hype of doing a lot of stress and workouts, workouts, workouts. But just like you take vacation from work, it's important to kind of take that little vacation from running because it allows your muscles to build back stronger. It allows you mentally, physically, emotionally, everything to just relax, recover, and you'll always build back stronger when you take those off seasons. And that can vary. Some athletes, they only need two, three weeks. Some athletes take multiple months for an off season. But going into marathon training, we want to make sure you've been feeling good. We want to make sure you're not injured. Um, That's going to be number one. Injury is not something you want um, during a marathon training cycle. So you want to start off on the right foot. Um, Going to visit a active release therapist or a physical therapist to address these issues um, in the months leading up to before when your marathon training cycle begins would be ideal.
Too many times I see athletes say, you know, I, my foot's been hurting me for a while. I'm just going to rest and it's going to get better. And it doesn't get better. And a lot of times we think rest is going to be what cures, but really we do need that medical personnel helping us diagnose, helping us find the source of the problem and treat it. Because a lot of these running related injuries do require treatment because the source of the problem is what needs to be addressed um, with strength training because there's these underlying underlying imbalances that are in our body. And until they are fully addressed, they are going to be reoccurring issues. And they might not always be the same injury that reoccurs, but they are usually related. And you're just going to set yourself up for success if you go in and get to that underlying cause of these injuries right off the bat. Then if you continue to do years of training through injury or trying to just rest and then come back, um, that's always really just spotty training, hit or miss. The second that you kind of take control and say, I'm going to get to the source of this problem, that's usually a huge game changer for athletes. So I really encourage you, if you have had injuries in the past or you just seem to keep getting injured, to go see an ART active release therapist or a physical therapist to help get you on the right track. So I recommend like three months at a minimum of injury-free running, feeling good, before you start building into a marathon training cycle that might be four to six months. So you can tell it's a very long commitment, but there's a reason for it. Um, You want to set yourself up for success. You don't want to go into things with a high risk for injury. And these are all ways that you can prevent that from happening. So when it comes to marathon training, a lot of the times nutrition becomes a huge factor, whereas in shorter distance races, it maybe wasn't as big of a deal in a half marathon, 10K, 5K, you might be able to get away with not eating breakfast or not fueling during the race. But when you get into that marathon distance, it really becomes a very important role and a very important factor in your training. And the reason being is because we all have glycogen stores in our body that hold onto carbohydrate and convert it into fuel when we're running and exercising. But once we hit that, um, like, like 90 minute window, your carb or your glycogen storage start getting used. And when they start getting used, they can start depleting. And a lot of the times athletes start to hit, you know, the wall or they start to feel not so great at mile 20 of the marathon. And that's usually the point where most of that glycogen has been used up. But a way that we can avoid hitting, you know, that wall and avoid running out of that glycogen, out of that fuel that's in our body is by fueling during the race. So if you have this glycogen sore that can only last for so long, the best thing that athletes do is fuel during the race so that your body can use the fuel that you're consuming before it goes in and uses your internal fueling source. So you wanna be able to use, utilize both during the race, obviously, but it's very important that you're fueling early in the race And often, because if you're able to utilize that fuel early in the race from your gels, your goos, your Gatorade, whatever it is, your body's going to be able to conserve that glycogen for the end of the race. Because what ends up happening is towards the end of your marathon or, you know, even the second half of the race, a lot of athletes feel um, maybe a little bit like it's hard to swallow gels and goose. It starts to get more difficult. The nausea might kind of set in or your stomach just doesn't feel like you want to eat. And that's when 
your body starts to say, oh, I'm going to rely more on the glycogen because your digestive system just doesn't work as well. So if you're fueling at mile, you know, four or five of the race, your body's going to be able to utilize that a lot better. And that's the same goes for if you're eating breakfast. So all of the things that you're eating right before the race or right in the beginning of the race are very important um, in order to avoid hitting that wall later in the race because your body only has so much of that internal fuel and you want to conserve it as much as possible. So athletes, when should I start practicing with fuel? I think that practicing with fuel is the number one most important thing outside of the training itself. Um, It's going to give you the most confidence for race day. It's going to make your race day feel a lot easier. If you're using fuel, you're going to have better results. You're going to be able to perform more to your potential than if you're not. Um, So we are going to want to have you starting doing that right away. And a lot of people maybe don't want to do it on their long run right away. That's fine. You can do it on some of your easy runs during the week, maybe on a workout day. Just see what works for your body. And if you've never used fuel before, just start really small. So let's say you never even eat breakfast before. Well, that's maybe a place where you can start. You can use a gel, you know, right before you go out and run. See how your body feels after doing that. Um, on one of your easy runs, you can take a fuel halfway through and see how your body adjusts to, you know, eating and drinking on your run. It's just about getting your body used to using that fueling source when you're engaging in activity. And eventually over time, it just becomes second nature. Um, and athletes just really perfect their nutrition. So you want to start early that way you're not, you know, flustered six weeks out from the race, trying to figure out your, uh, fueling plan when you've already done a couple, you know, 14, 16, 18 mile long runs, and you're wondering, uh uh-oh, how am I going to, you know, use fuel on that? So you want to make it easy for yourself to start off in. Should you eat breakfast? Absolutely. So breakfast is very important, and I think that's another adjustment that a lot of athletes have to make going into marathon training. Um, Some athletes, you know, they train at very early hours in the morning, and sometimes they're running fasted. And this can be something that carries over into that long run. Even if you have a couple half marathons under your belt, maybe you never, you never ate before the race, but it's going to become more important, like I talked about earlier, because of those glycogen storages. And you want to have a, as much fuel as possible in your body to make sure that you can go as long and as far as you can without running out of that fuel source at the end of the race. So eating breakfast, of course, just like with the fueling plan, you're going to start small. So let's say you've never eaten breakfast before or run before. Maybe you start with something that you know is going to sit well with you. Maybe that's a half of a banana and you're going to build from there. So start with a half a banana, start with a small piece of toast, and maybe then you build to a regular breakfast. And that's something that you can handle before a race. Um, Do what works for you. Just because your friend can eat oatmeal before she runs doesn't mean that that's what's going to sit well with your stomach. We always like to go with the same diet, like the brat diet, which is what you would follow um, if you had the flu or something. It's just something that's very easy on your stomach. You want to make sure you're not doing anything that's going to cause an upset stomach because that's the last thing you want when you're running. What sort of water belts or fuel do you recommend for marathon training? So this can range widely from athlete to athlete. Uh, One of the biggest things about marathon training that some athletes like to practice is the water cup grab. Uh, Maybe you've done a few half marathons or 5Ks and you've done a few water cup grabs. You want to figure out for yourself based on your pacing and your goals, 
Are you going to be someone who walks through a water stop or are you going to be jogging through the water stop? It just depends. And you want to be able to practice at some point during your training those water cup grabs. So one thing that you might do is just loop around your house and stop for water there. Uh, Maybe have a little table set up in your driveway where you grab the cup and you just kind of keep it going like that. Um, That would be one way that you could get water. Um, usually, especially in the summer months, we're going to want to stop for water, you know, every 20 to 30 minutes, just making sure that your body is getting used to that water and used to running with a stomach that's consuming water because it can be a big adjustment. Um, and you definitely don't want to do any runs where you're not using water because then on race day, it's going to be a huge adjustment. So just practicing how you plan to race. Most races will have water stops every, you know, two to four miles, just depending on the race. And you're just going to want to practice the same methodology. Um, So if you plan on walking through the water stops, maybe do a quick walk um, through your, your own water stop. If you plan on stopping, you can stop briefly. But the thing is, we want to keep these kind of brief. We don't want to be stopping for extended periods of time. Just be conscious and aware of how much um, watch pausing or how much stopping you're doing. We don't want to be stopping to like catch our breath. You know, we just want it to be a stop to consume the water and then continue running um, seamlessly. Other things that people like to do is they like to bring fuel belts with them. Let's say you're doing an out and back route. You're not going back to your house. You can use a variety of different um different equipment. Uh, A lot of people used to use the fuel belts that you can get at local running stores that have multiple little water bottles around the waist. I was never really a big fan of those. My favorites are the water vests. I feel like once you put them on, um, the hydration packs on your back, like a little backpack, you don't really feel them and they don't really slosh around as much. Um, It's just a more ergonomically, it makes more sense, I think, to have those hydration packs. And let's say you don't really like the Camelback, you don't like the way the plastic tastes, that's fine. Put like a water bottle in the backpack part and run with that. Um, That's something that I've done in the past that I like the way that works. Just find something that's comfortable within reason for you. Um, If you don't like to run with hydration, then I guess you're going to be doing loops or finding a route that has a lot of water fountains. Um, Some people don't use hydration um, belts or vests at all. They always just circle, um, their house or water fountains and that works well. And in terms of fuel, there is no like one size fits all. There's no like, oh, this is the best fuel to use. A very popular one is you can, um, just because it has this delayed release of the carbohydrates. So again, it helps you not hit the wall. But there's also other ones that work great too. A lot of marathons will have, you know, Powerade, Gatorade on the course and just knowing what's on the course and seeing if that sits well with your stomach. That's one great way that you can approach the hydration aspect of running. Um, And then as far as like gels and goos, it's really all just depends on what sits well with your stomach. A lot of people have, you know, sensitive stomachs and they like to go with a more natural option, which might be eating dried dates. Um, Those are actual physical fruits that you would eat while you're running. Um, Some people, they like to use the honey stinger because it's made with honey instead of any other sort of sugar like sugar source. Um, I personally and a lot of athletes can handle using gels like goo. 
uh, or hammer gel, just other gels um, that anything that sits well with you and you like the way that it tastes, that's going to work great. And I would recommend that you start using those kind of right away, getting your body used to them, just like you would with the uh, hydration and the water. And if one doesn't work for you, try another one. Um, They don't taste great. I don't think that they're meant to be, "Mm, they're so delicious and the texture can be a little weird. So just try a few different things. Um, I've tried everything from like sports beans to cliff chews. Uh, I found that chewing on something when I was running was just really difficult and I was like swallowing a lot of air. So I went back to using gels and I use goo and I suck a little bit and I just, I kind of hold it in my mouth and let it dissolve and then just swallow it quick. It's, it's not um, something that you like enjoy, you know, it's not like a dessert that you'd have <laughs> or anything like that. It's just more of it has a purpose to give your body some sugar and carbohydrates and that's mainly what you're going to use it for. So if you don't like the taste of any of them, um, maybe you stick with what is your, you know, your favorite flavor. Try some of those. And a lot of people, they don't love the texture. They don't love the idea, but it's just something they know they have to do. So it's not going to be like a delicacy or anything. Don't, don't uh, make it up to be this great. Oh, it's fuel. Yeah, they're definitely um, not the greatest thing to eat, but they work well. And if they sit okay with your stomach, then that's, that's what we want. Another thing that people look into when they're training for their first marathon are salt pills. Um, If you're a salty sweater, the way that you can tell that is if you get back from a run and you're washing your face and you you feel like you're getting salt in your eyes or if you look at your face after a run and you have all this white, um, all this white, like almost like sugar salt like on your face, that is actually salt coming out of you. Or if you've ever had um, cramps on a run, like calf cramps or muscle cramps, you might be a salty sweater. And so the best thing that you can do there is get a salt pill supplement. And there's a lot of those on the market. You can get them at a local running store. You can just Google salt pills for our endurance athletes. Um, The salt stick is a very popular one. I know they even have chewable ones now, which is great because that can help once you've kind of dipped into that hole. It can be that fast release. Give, Give me the salt now. But those are really important to utilize if you're someone who is a salty sweater. And those can be just a great like preventative, even if you haven't had problems cramping or you've never like had to walk during a race because a cramp is so bad. This is something you can take to make sure that's not going to happen. And again, you can start testing those before your race. That way you see how your body reacts to them. Most people, they don't even notice they take them. It's great. So in terms of specific training, some of the questions we get are how many miles per week do I need to run? There's really no like minimum, maximum here, I would say average person training for their first marathon is going to hit, um, you know, maybe at one week at 40 miles a week during their peak week. So they might start in the 20s and they get to the, the upper 30s for a couple weeks. And that's that's pretty typical for a first-time marathoner. If you're doing more than that, and that's, that's great, that just depends on your background. If you're doing less than that, it definitely can be doable. Um, we just want to make sure that you have the background for that and you're doing enough aerobic cross-training. Um, the biggest risk there for not having like the mileage base, we always wonder like if it's going to be a risk for injury. Um, because it does take, you know, a foundation to get to that 26.2 mark. And we want to make sure we're not coming from a point where we just started running five months ago. We're only running, you know, three days a week because it will really just destroy your body if you jump from, you know, 
running three days a week, three to four mile runs to jumping into a marathon training plan. Um, we want to make sure there's a foundation there. So I think a minimum of about that, that 20 mile per week starting point, and then just being able to build from there. Um, that's a great, great foundation. What are the general mileage guidelines that I can share with people? I think starting with that 20 miles per week as a great foundation, maybe like the low teens, you could maybe be at 15, 18, um, and slowly building. It just depends on how long your training cycle is going to be. I think if you have six months to train, you can definitely start in that like 16, 18 mile per week range, but you're definitely going to want to focus those first two months on building your mileage into the 20s. Um, if you're someone who's already been running and let's say none of this applies to you and you're, you've been running, you know, 40 miles a week and you can easily do a 10 to 12 mile long run, you definitely can get away with a, you know, four month training cycle then, um, and just kind of skip that foundational period because you already have a strong foundation of that 40 miles a week or 50 miles a week, whatever you might have been doing. That's significantly higher than average. And the biggest factor of marathon training is what paces should you be training at? So we've talked about mileage, we've talked about long runs, but we haven't talked about what paces should you be running and how can you set your goals for your marathon based on your paces? So what I like athletes to do when they first sign up is do a time trial. And so you might be listening, that might be signing up for a 5K race, going all out, seeing what you're capable of. Maybe you've done a recent 5K and you ran, you know, eight minute pace for your 5K. So what we want to do is make sure that 80%, so that's a big bulk. So if you're running 40 miles a week, this is 30 miles of your running during the week is done at an easy pace. So if you run a 5K at eight minute pace, you might think that nine-minute pace is easy for you, but that's not easy enough. So we want to make sure it's very easy. So if we're talking about a scale of one to 10, an easy run should feel like a two or a three on a 10 scale. Um, We don't want it to even feel like a five. We want it to feel so easy. Some athletes say that it feels like a walk. It feels easier than they've ever ran before. It's a very easy pace, and a lot of athletes who haven't trained for marathons or are maybe newer to the sport have not had a lot of time spent in that range, Um, and you can get away with that if you're not, you know, running in a high mileage or you're newer to the sport, but once you get more involved in the sport and you really want to reach your potential, the best way to train is doing this polarized training, so spending the bulk of your time at that easy aerobic pace, so again, if you're doing the 8-minute 5K pace, most of your easy runs are going to be in that 10 to 11 minute mile range. So maybe around, you know, 10, 30 pace for most of your training runs or 10, 15 pace. We want to be about two minutes slower than your 5k pace. So if you run at 5k at about 10 minute pace, we want most of your easy runs to be about 12 minute pace or slower. And a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 that's slowing down a lot. And yes, that's the point. We have to build this aerobic system and then we can save that that 20% of your mileage can be at the faster paces. And we really want to work the right systems when we're working at those faster paces so that we can really improve your fitness. So we're keeping those easy days easy to build that aerobic foundation. And then we're leaving the hard days to really work on your speed, stamina, threshold, all of those things that are going to make you a faster runner. So it's really important to keep those hard days hard and fast and the easy days easy. So that 20% of your week is going to be hard effort 
work and you're going to be working at, you know, maybe faster paces than you were previously if this whole easy running concept is new to you. And one great way that you can find your paces instead of just, you know, listening, oh, two minutes per mile slower is your easy run. You want to just go and find an online calculator like the VDOT calculator, V-D-O-T, or Jack Daniels Run Smart Calculator. You can plug in your 5K race, and then it's going to spit back out a bunch of paces for you. It'll say your easy pace, you know, your threshold pace, interval paces, all of that gives you a ton of information. You can also work with a coach. Um, they can help prescribe your paces and kind of take all of the thinking work out of it. Because I know once you start looking at those calculators and it says, you know, like lactic threshold versus marathon pace versus interval and rep, and you have to read the description for each one of them. Sometimes people are like, I don't really have time to, you know, prescribe myself workouts, figure out workouts. It just gets complicated. So hiring a coach can help take all of that think work out for you and just make it so you can focus on the part that you like, which is, you know, training. Um, so if you go on to that online marathon calculator and it says, let's say you run your, I, I don't want I don't know what these calculators are going to say. I haven't prepared this ahead of time, but let's say it's you, you're running, you know, an eight minute pace for a 5k and it spits back out and it tells you that you can run a four hour marathon or like a three fifty five marathon and this is your first marathon, you might be thinking, no way could I run 26.2 miles at that pace. Um, that's crazy. Is that really like what my marathon pace is? And that's where you get into the discussion of, am I running a marathon? Is my goal to run a marathon or am I going to like race this marathon? So I always like to say for your first one, it's just all about experiencing it and you just want to finish, right? So it's just more about going the distance. And I think it's great to give yourself that freedom to say, what pace do I want to run for my marathon? Instead of like stressing on, oh my gosh, this online calculator told me that I should be able to run this pace. Because um, those paces that those online calculators give you are very aggressive. And I think they're for more experienced um, marathoners. And for a first time marathoner, I always think a good goal is to take your half PR time or current fitness for your half um, you, you're going to double it and probably add about like, you know, 15 to 20, 20 minutes. And that gives you like a good gauge for, for marathon shape, um, for, you know, the first time and just being easy on yourself and lenient with, with yourself going into it. Of course, you can have more aggressive goals for your marathon, but we, we don't want to, um, put a lot of pressure on it because running a marathon in itself is a huge accomplishment. And we just want to make sure that you're really savoring that and just enjoying the fact that you're doing something you've never done before. And this is a marathon, right? Like it's amazing. Um, a good pacing strategy for any of your long runs or workouts and even race day is just starting conservative. So, you know, we see those aggressive goals that those calculators might be giving us um, or we, we hear goals that other people might be putting in our head, but it's really important to listen to your body and ask yourself, what is my own goal? You know, what pace do I think I can run for this marathon? And, and using all of those outside sources is great, but then just running within yourself and knowing like what you're capable of. And then it's great to develop a plan that's conservative. So you want to start out very conservative, like the first two miles, very conservative. So probably, you know, 20 seconds per mile slower than your race pace. So if your goal is to run a nine minute pace for a marathon, 
we're going to want to start those first two miles around 9.15, 9.20 pace just to really ease into things. We want your body to get warmed up. Then the next couple of miles, we're kind of going to get up into that more marathon pace range, um, that 9, 9, 9.05 to 9 minute pace. And it's going to be more of like a steady hold of that pace throughout the race. And then the goal at the end of the race would be to pick up the pace in the last 10K, um, which if you pace correctly and you run within yourself, it, it's always a great day when you can negative split a marathon. But it's always important to remember that sometimes, you know, we, we slow down a little bit at the end and that and that's totally fine too. And don't don't be too hard on yourself. I think only, you know, like 10% of the population who's ran marathons has have negative split a marathon. So if you do negative split, which would be running the second half of the race faster than the first half, you're, you know, you're in the minority and that's an amazing accomplishment. So setting goals is great um, for yourself and just making sure that they're reasonable and you have multiple goals to keep you excited and just focusing on that first goal of just finishing and this is an accomplishment in and of itself. What my biggest advice for someone who feels like marathon training is super hard um, marathon training is really hard. <laughs> so, I mean, that's part of the reason why I don't do them as much anymore. I've done 18 marathons and, uh, I did a lot in the first couple of years. And in the last three years, I've only done two and they're a big commitment. So if you're listening to this and you hear, wow, she's in 18 marathons, Yes, I have, but every single one of them was exhausting to train for um, in some aspects, and they're hard, and they don't really get easier, and you just want to know what you're signing up for. It, it is a big commitment, and you should be really proud of yourself for making that commitment, but knowing that it's not supposed to be easy, knowing that even for people who've done you know 18 marathons, it's not easy, and I know people who've ran you know, 50 plus marathons, and they would definitely agree with what I'm saying. Marathon training is not easy. Um, So don't let people who've ran, you know, 100 marathons make you think, wow, they make it look so easy. A lot of people make things look easy or it sounds easy when they're doing it. But I know that all marathoners put a lot of effort and work into their training. And I know it's exhausting even for people who might make it look easy. Or it's easy to look on Instagram, oh man, or social media, see people smiling after 20 mile long runs or they did 16 miles and they said it was easy. Um, Those are really hard posts to look at. And I think for me, even (laughs) when I've done, you know, I've done so many 20 milers, 16 milers, every single one of them has been exhausting. And I mean, even on days where you feel great and everything clicks and you have the best run of your life, I never finish those runs thinking, wow, that was easy, you know? So I, I really, I struggle with seeing people post that it's easy. Um, I, I, I can definitely see where getting caught in the comparison trap, especially if it's your first go around, um, could be difficult. So just knowing that some people, they, they have like a, a false sense. They're not really sharing like the full picture of maybe how they're feeling, um, cause I've, I've had days where I've, you know, nailed 20 mile long runs and I feel like good, but it's not like I 100% feel amazing. Uh, no, I feel like part of me feels like I got run over by a bus. It's, it's a weird feeling because yes, it can feel great. It can feel like a huge accomplishment. And that's the part that you might share on social media, but at the same time, it's, 
it's really difficult, physically exhausting, leaves you sore. There's a lot of components that aren't being shared. And I just want to be open and honest with you guys that I've talked to a lot of runners. I know a lot of really fast runners, um, people who've qualified for the Olympic trials, and every single one of them has the same thing to say about marathons. They're hard. What you're doing is hard. None of it is easy. Even if people make it look easy, don't let that get in your head. Just remember, like, it's a huge accomplishment and don't let anyone or anything outside of you belittle that and just owning, like, what you're doing is going to be worth it in the long run for you. Um, Marathon training isn't easy for anyone. It's a huge commitment, massive. So just give yourself props. Give yourself the credit that you deserve for doing what you're doing. Um, It's a huge lifetime goal. And for the rest of your life, you're going to be able to say, I'm a marathoner. Like, I stuck it out. I finished this off. Um, and that's huge. You know, like I say, oh, I've done 18 marathons and that's a number that's never going to go away. Like when you finish this marathon and you cross that finish line, no one's ever going to be able to take that away from you. It's something that you've accomplished for yourself. You know, it, it's something, it, it changes you. It changes how you view yourself. It changes everything. Um, and it's something that's never going to go away. So that's why, that's why it's, it's a really big deal. Um, because it is, it's a, it's a lot of the training leading up to one day and in a lot of it's just the training's really hard. <laughs> you know, you have a work, you have kids, you got a regular life, you have a social life, you know, like you got to fit it around all of that. And that in itself is exhausting, you know, like, oh, well, my friends want to go out and I, I ran 20 miles, but then they want to go out Saturday night, the same night. And it's like, you're really tired, but somehow you make it through all of these moments and all these celebrations. I know, my last marathon I had, my last 20 mile long run was on my son's first birthday. So I got home from my long run at like nine, showered, got everything all ready, had a party, like, but I was wiped, you know, and like you're going through it and you're like, how am I doing this day right now? I'm, I'm doing all of these things and you're just exhausted. And I think that's part of the reason that it makes marathon training so special is that you're going through through your life and and you're so in this exhausted state but at the end it's for this goal that's so worth it um and I think those are always the moments in life where like we push through things like we didn't know that we could or we do things like we didn't know was possible and it changes your perspective on everything in your life because you realize like wow I'm, I'm capable of a lot more than I thought like you know some people think oh hosting a first birthday party that in and of itself is stressful yes add a 20 mile long run on top of that and then I think to myself, well, I could have done more, you know, like I could have done even more today because I, I did so much and it just opens your mind to new explorations of what you're physically, mentally, and emotionally capable of. And it's definitely life-changing. Um, another thing is, is it okay to wait to do a marathon? Like let's say you signed up thinking it was going to be this amazing thing because you saw all of these people on Instagram doing it and your friends doing it and you wanted to say you're a marathoner. Um, it's definitely okay to wait and not do a marathon. I know so many athletes who have been running for decades and they've never done a marathon. It's because they don't want to, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no written rule that says you have to run a marathon to be a runner or, you know, the marathons and I'll be all, I look at a bunch of, you know, elite runners who are in like they're one milers. A lot of them never touch the, the marathon distance. Um, and I think we, we need to move away as a running culture from pushing everyone to this marathon and having so much hype around it. It is an amazing event, but at the same time, like if it's not your thing, it's not your calling, you don't want to do it, 
don't feel like you have to do it. Um, don't feel forced to do it. It's, it's hard to judge your way through a marathon when you're not really motivated to do it. Uh, that being said, if you still want to do it and you're just like, well, I'm just going to do it anyways, say I've done it, then just keep doing it. You'll get to that checkbox check off the list. But it's usually a better experience once you wait until you're ready. Um, and it'll come to you when, you know, the timing's right. Like, let's say you're in grad school right now and you're, I don't know, working 60 hours a week and you just don't have time and it's just the wrong time for you. Like, it's totally okay to back out. I, I've ran 18 marathons, like I said. I've backed out of, like, I've signed up for races and then been four months out and be like, yeah, I'm not doing this race anymore. I've done that so many times. Like, uh, it's just, you got to do what fits in your life and you don't want to put so much pressure on it and so much pressure on yourself where it gets to the point where it's not fun anymore. So if you decide, you know, uh, this isn't a great season. I just got a promotion at work or I just changed jobs. We just moved to a new city and my kids are starting a new school. I'm starting a new job. Like maybe it's not your season and don't feel like you're forced to do it because you signed up for it. Do what fits in your life. You know, maybe your next season is going to be the season where it makes sense for you, you know, but just don't force yourself to do it and go through the motions. If it's going to make you miserable, tell, tell people, you know, I decided not to do it and that's totally fine. Um, lots of people end up doing that and that's definitely acceptable. Another question is, is it okay to just run a marathon with no time goal whatsoever? Of course it is. That's a great goal is to just finish and just enjoy the experience. Um, a lot of people like to have time-based goals. Some people are more numbers-oriented. Um, you know, I come from an accounting background. With I love looking at numbers and analyzing data and thinking about paces. But sometimes all of those things kind of cloud out why we're doing it and, you know, like the whole purpose behind it. You know, when I first started running, like many of you, it's like you did it because there was like this feeling you got from seeing how far you could go or just being in tune with your body and just being in tune with nature, being outside. There was just something intrinsic about it that kept you coming back, even if you didn't have that feedback from your watch. And I think getting back to that same root of like, this feels awesome. Like I feel good. This feels amazing. Instead of always looking down at your watch and trying to get feedback from that watch, just asking yourself, how do you feel? Like how, you know, it might sound kind of hippie-ish, but that's really the root of why we all started because we like the way that it made us feel. Um, so we don't need to always be looking at our watch for feedback. You know how you feel and you know how you feel about yourself. So just allowing yourself that freedom to not have to be tied down to a time goal. Have other goals for yourself. Like, can I enjoy this? Is it going to be fun for me? There are so many other ways that you can frame up success. So I hope that you really loved some of my tips for training for your first marathon. And it could be a great reminder for people who have already ran marathons and just knowing that this is an amazing accomplishment that you have chosen to do. And I hope that your training cycle goes really well. If you have any questions or you want to talk more specific about your unique situation in terms of pacing or training plan or how do I do any of this stuff, just come to us and I can have a one-on-one conversation with you we can talk about your goals specifically and get you on the track to success. So in order to talk to me, you can go to our website, www.runforprs.co. You can fill out the form there and then we'll send an email right away to you. So I hope you have a great marathon training cycle. And if I don't hear from you, congrats on your accomplishment that you're going to be achieving in the next couple of months. 
Thanks for listening.